0: time uh which is in about 30 minutes uh hopefully okay i'll be
1: able to talk longer next time i've got to go teach a class in 30 minutes so oh what do you teach uh, i teach wing chung it's a uh, chinese
0: martial art It's uh, a hobby of mine so uh, it's something i teach a few times a week and then i'm an acupuncturist by trade um so. i see okay yeah. so
1: you're into asian stuff <laughs> yeah
0: yeah right.
1: yeah that's for sure <laughs> Um, well, we'll talk about that later then, in the fact, I use martial arts a lot, in, okay uh, the dhamma uh, you could you could go so far. Have you ever heard of Bodhidharma? Yes, and Shaolin and all of that, so you know sure. that there is a deep connection, yeah within. Uh, within Japan, it was quite remarkable in the sense of the period of time that as the shogunate gained power mm. and stopped all the feudal wars in um uh Japan over the period of 1500
0: 1600
1: that that time frame uh uh <clears throat> that in fact uh there is a Uh, a book series called Shogun that was Mm -hmm. made into a uh, nine-hour video uh, set uh, that was happening during that time. Yeah. Well, that's also the time that Buddhism came to Japan. Ah, okay. -hmm. Just at about the time when the martial artist who had gained all of these skills with all of this warfare Mm. Didn't need it anymore. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so what happened with the martial arts is is that they became stylized Mm. as a form of body meditation. Mm. So that if you know about Zen and the art of archery. It's all about form. Mm. Of doing it exactly right. Mm. And that that's what we're practicing is getting things down because we're mindful we're paying attention we've done it over and over again we've gotten repetitive and once the arrow is launched, part of the process is to ignore the target being hit that our job is to continue whatever it is either in a um, let us say in a um, <clears throat> an exhibition to walk off stage correctly,
0: mm, mm.
1: which means that you don't look to the left to see where the arrow got, that you finish your form and you're, uh, okay, so this is very, very much the practice of Anapanasati. Mm. is that we're more interested in remembering to get everything down correctly. Mm. We're not really interested in the outcome. mm mm-hmm. And yet most of the Western world is all interested in outcome, outcome, outcome. Mm. So, as I was uh, mentioning, about 90% of the people don't even think that it's possible. Right. Or that they're wanting something else. Or this is not good enough, or it's not doable, uh, but it doesn't fit into their range of understanding. But of those who it does fit into, about half of those wind up being failures at it Mm. because they still keep being interested in hitting the target. Mm. They still want something out of the practice. Mm -hmm. So they're frustrated when they're not getting it. Yeah. Okay, so this is the approach that we want to take for you is to recognize that uh, where you are within your martial arts is simply because you kept doing it. You kept doing it. You kept repeating it over and over again, that that is, in fact, the most important quality that's generally missing in Western Buddhism, is to keep doing it, keep going over and over and over again. And yet you'll find in the West, people have become kind of enamored with uh, a, a kind of thing called meditation
0: mm.
1: which has a deep, deep history in Christianity mm. and so almost everything that we see within uh, uh, Asian or Buddhist meditation we want to put into that little um, let us say area of the mind of what we already know mm. That this is an important quality of the mind is, is that in order to understand something, we have to compare the uh, present moment with the past. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so that we can connect the dots and figure out what's going on. And that that's a big problem, you see, for people who are beginning to practice Anapanasati, is, is that they think that it has all to do with the form of sitting in a particular hall, on a particular cushion, with a particular bunch of junk on an altar up there, uh, some of which is quite sacred.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And that they have to do it with, a, with candles and the incense and maybe a flower and maybe a clock or maybe a bell to ring. And mm. all of this kind of stuff is merely paraphernalia that mm-hmm. has grown up around the actual practice because this is what people can see and fit into their experience
0: mm.
1: okay. but another way of looking at it is look at it in the sense of uh, the martial arts that are being practiced in the mind
0: mm. you don't
1: have to move the body too much in fact part of the practice is, is to repeat keeping the body still Mm. Repeat looking at the body, repeat understanding the body, keep looking at it, keep noticing it. And as we do and have understandings of it, we will begin to find things that we weren't looking for, mm. like anxiety. a lot of people carry a lot of anxiety around with them in the sense that they keep doing it and keep giving anxiety to themselves. And they don't even know about it until they sit down in meditation. And all of a sudden, where's all of this tension and anxiety coming from? The answer is, is that it was already coming up and coming up. Now <clears throat> that you're looking at the body, you're becoming aware of it so that we can relax it. Hmm. That's the whole point, that if, uh, uh, in the, uh, the teaching of Anapanasati, there are <clears throat> four groups, the Satipatthana, which is the body, the feelings, the mind, and the uh, the content of the mind. And that uh, uh, the body is the first of the group, body, feelings, mind, and mind. And in that first tetrad, uh, Uh, The fourth item is relax the body.
0: Mm.
1: Why do we then have step three of understanding the body? Is that if we're going to understand the body correctly, we won't understand the tensions and how we got that way so that we can relax. Mm. That that's what we're uh, doing. And in fact, going back to Zen and archery. That relaxation is part of the
0: practice.
1: Mm. A clear example that's different, never mind the bows, never mind the arrows, look at one thing, and that is, is that in the English longbow, to pull it back, and in Western movies and the Indians and all of that, they would hold the arrow this way and then let it go when letting it go, you're actually twisting the string and forcing the arrow off if you're not watching what you're doing. Mm. But in Zen, they do it with the thumb and the index finger. Mm. And that when kids do that, when they're trying to learn a little bit of archery, they find out that they're very weak, Mm. that this is a much, much stronger way of holding that and a very really heavy bow. So there you are. That's the issue. Now, how can we fix that? All right, with the Western bow, we pull the bow out and then pull the arrow back. Within Zen, what we do is that because of the the bow value, where well, there's not even balanced in Western Buddha uh, 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 archery, the bow is balanced half on each side, but in uh, uh, Zen archery. Uh, two-thirds of the bow is above, and only a third of the bow is down. That allows much larger bows. And so the way that the thing is done is, is that as the archer grasps that arrow with his thumb and index finger and pulls it out, he's already got the bow right at the face so that he notches the arrow at the face. And then... As he does that, he pushes the bow straight up and then down. And as soon as the bow gets to the downward position, the arrow is released.
0: Mm.
1: Okay, which means that they we're doing it stylistically. We're not interested in hitting the target. What a Western archer will do is aim at the target.
0: Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. Right? How and how long does that take? And in fact, I've seen movies where people are holding that big bow out there like that and looking around, like, you know, what is that? Real archers don't do it that way. Mm, mm. But in fact, the only way that you could do that would be with a compound bow.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because uh, uh, the way that the compound bow operates is, is that the outward force here is very low. But as the uh, bowstring moves in, its own warped uh, pulleys, so that all of a sudden it gets a huge amount of force. Mm. Still, mm-hmm. okay. Mm. But standard long bows, uh, we have to do it in this one way. Now, why am I spending so much time with this? It is because archery, like almost all martial arts, is a body mind training. Mm. It is always a body-mind training. And Anapanasati is a body-mind training. Mm. Except that it has different qualities and different results because we're actually focusing more on training the mind and training the body only in the sense of having the body relaxed.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So this is actually anapanasati that I I'm taking a kind of a different approach. Normally, the way to teach it is to start at the very, very beginning. And that is Dukkha, Dukkha Naroda. The Buddha says that he only taught one thing. He does not teach a whole bunch of stuff. He only teaches one thing, but that in one thing, he goes pretty deep. Hmm. goes all, all the way down to the bottom of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. But only one thing that he taught was. Dukkha, Dukkha Naroda, in the sense of, um, <clears throat> first off, well, I have to understand that the word Dukkha in Western Buddhism is mistranslated badly. Mm. That is translated as suffering. And I got used to using the word suffering. And so sometimes that word will slip out when I'm actually thinking of Dukkha. Mm. But the word Dukkha doesn't mean suffering. It means being annoyed or dissatisfied with something, that things are unsatisfying. An example of that is is that the guy sees the girl who has makeup on, trying to present herself in our culture as being attractive, and she scores in that way, he's attracted, okay. Mm. Now, a lot of us will say, oh, well, that's quite marvelous that he's attracted like that. It makes him feel good. Except when he is fairly ignorant, what will happen instead is is that he will begin to see and not just like what he sees, he wants to keep it. He wants to own it. He wants to have it around for future.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. And so now he gets himself into a state of wanting something he doesn't have. If it gets really bad like that, it can be called lovesick. It can make himself ill with not getting what he wants. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And is possibly also terrified that he's not going to get it anyway, so he doesn't even try. He just pines.
0: Mm.
1: Now that's the extreme. But we do that with everything, even down to the cup of coffee. Mm. Every movement that we make is because we want something. The question is, can we keep our mind together enough to start wanting only the things that are easily available? Mm. Because if we only want things that are easily available, then we feel good often because it's things that we want we get. And we're satisfied on a regular basis. However, our system is set up to where, oh, well, you're not going to get much satisfaction out of a little thing. You've got to go do something really, really big so you can get a whole lot of joy and satisfaction out of it. Except that that really big thing may take a long time to manufacture, to get, to attain. And you have to go through a lot of uh, stress and whatnot like that to get it. Right. Right. And then when we do get what we want, be careful of what you want. <laughs> Many examples, and in fact, one of them that's kind of funny that we have is, what happens when the dog catches the bus? Mm-hmm. Or the car he's chasing? Mm-hmm. Okay, what happens? Is the is car gonna drag this poor dog all over town? Until he finally figures out that he can let go. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay, so this is actually the way that we can approach uh, the teachings of the Buddha is just like this. Mm. Actually quite easy to recognize that we actually are driven by our feelings. and. The feelings are, I don't like this, I've got to fix it. Or the feelings of, I like this, I want to keep it. Mm -hmm. This is uh, the normal way that we approach things. And when we approach those things, ignorant, ignorantly, in the sense that we think we know what we want and we try to get it. But we're ignorant of what it's doing to us along the way. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, in fact, now, what we have done is is that we have taken this one teaching of the Buddha from Dukkha, Dukkha Naroda, from being in a state of dissatisfaction into a state of satisfaction. This is it. This is the practice. And in fact, what I have done also is um, kind of bypassed uh, the first noble truth and gotten right into the second noble truth. That the cause of our dissatisfaction is because we want things that are not immediately available, mm-hmm. or we want to get rid of stuff that lingers, mm-hmm. And that we don't know that we are, in fact in a state of dissatisfaction when we do that.: mm-hmm. Yes. That's the big point. Now, getting back to the first noble truth. The first noble truth, a lot of people mistake it because they think, oh, the world out there has slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, and I keep getting hit and knocked around for me. You mm. know, they even put that in the uh, insurance contracts and mortgages about acts of God. Not like that. Right. When they start talking about acts of weather. <laughs> right. right. Okay. And so. Uh, What that means is, is that even though that we are in a state of dissatisfaction, we don't realize that we are creating our own dissatisfaction. Mm, Yes. And so we can stop with that. But we have to remember to repeat over and over and over and over again. Because we're in such a habit
0: Mm -hmm.
1: of creating. Dukkha for ourselves or making ourselves dissatisfied because we want things. And so wisdom is going to say, why don't we start wanting things that are easily available? Mm. Yes. That's the way of looking at it, is just that if I'm easily satisfied, then I'll be satisfied easily often. Mm-hmm. Yes. And if I want special satisfaction, I'm going to be dissatisfied most of the time.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Right. So this is a way of looking at it that, in fact, we can come out of our dissatisfaction directly into satisfaction that it doesn't take a long time. But a lot of people in the West, because our culture is based upon, um, we call it delayed gratification, and we even think of it as being good. Like the, uh, the children says, OK, you can have one piece of candy now, but if you leave it on the table while I go to the bathroom, when I come back to the bathroom, you can have two pieces of candy. Mm. OK, they're trying to teach the children delayed gratification. Yeah. Okay. The right thing to do is to say, uh, uh, I ate my my candy while the lady was in the bathroom. Let's play the game again. <laughs> <laughs> and if she's intending on teaching me the lesson I'll have lots of candy <laughs> right. but very few of us ever think of it like that mm. we are taught delayed gratification and so we bring that delayed gratification into our meditation practice
0: mm. mm-hmm.
1: thinking that oh if I meditate long enough and hard enough I'll get the benefits out of it.
0: That's a big event.
1: Mm-hmm. It's a big event. Right, enlightening. Right, right.
0: A big prize.
1: It's a, it's a big thing. And you're very special when you get it. So you should work really, really hard and you'll feel really good for a short period of time. Right. But everything gets old. Yes. Even enlightenment gets old. If you think of it from that perspective. So that means that the enlightenment has to be renewed on a regular basis. It's got to be something new. It's got to be done now. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of meditation systems that have come in the name of uh, Buddhism from Asia has taken on many, many Western traits so that there's an actually new kind of Buddhism called Western Buddhism
0: Mm.
1: of where people are... uh, not understanding the teachings of the Buddha because of all of the magic that they have already been taught, plus all the magic that's been piled on the Buddhism by other people who <clears throat> wanted magic out of Buddhism, where right. really it's very, very practical and can be had very, very quickly. But this moment changes very quickly, and so we have to keep repeating it. Over and over Mm. again. This is the important point about sati. It's not that you wake up one time with one insight and now you're changed. No, you have to keep waking up to that insight and keep changing and keep changing and keep changing and keep changing. changing. Mm. Pretty soon those old habits will dry out. Mm. Along the way, there is this waking up and making a change waking up and making a change this is in fact the eightfold noble path that we're talking about here of uh, uh, and in that regard it's waking up look at what you're doing recognizing that whatever is happening right now coming into the present moment means to investigate the present moment to be here now with the understanding that we can make it better. We can improve things. We can throw these unwholesome thoughts out and have wholesome thoughts instead. Mm. And then after that, the the fourth item is called Samasankapa. Now in the suttas, um, these first three of sati to wake up, investigate, look at what you're doing, make a change. These three skills run and circle around each other. They make something new happen and that, in fact, one skill will help the other. That, in fact, if you keep waking up often and taking a look, then that actually waking up over and over again, that skill actually helps you develop the skill of looking, investigating, noticing, seeing what kind of states the mind is in, what's the body in, how do I feel, and doing all of that investigation then. And then making the change to that, these three things run in circle around each other so it develops kind of a, uh, a 3 spoked wheel. Mm. They run in a circle. And then when we get this thing going, what, one of the things that we have going is by making that change over and over again of brightening of mind, putting wholesome thoughts in. We begin to change something that's underlying all of that, which would be the attitude, okay? Two boxers have a fight. Lots of people, money, all of that kind of stuff. One of them wins, the other one loses. They take the two fighters and put them in their rooms, and now they're having a massage and the thoughts going through the conference. Okay? Will the thoughts of the guy who won the fight be the same thoughts as the guy who lost the fight? Mm. Even if you're thinking about leaving the profession, one's doing it on a high note, the other one is doing it from defeat. Yeah. And we are, in fact, having thoughts of being defeated a lot. I Mm. can't get what I want. That's what we mean by these dissatisfactions. And so we begin to develop an attitude over life of in fact we were born with the attitude of being a victim when a child is born it's helpless we can't feed ourselves you know everything is uh and when we're little kids the furniture is too big children have to have special clothes all of that kind of stuff okay and so we start off as a victim and we remain Mm. by the time Six years old will tell Do you go to school, you do what you're told to do, and most of us remain with that leaning or that attitude of being a victim. Mm. This practice now of looking at what you're doing, waking up and making the change, repeating that over and over and over and over again is now beginning to change that attitude that I can do this. Mm. I can do this. Just like when you first started doing martial arts, you were clumsy. And the teacher kept saying, Do it this way. Hold your arms this way. Over and over and over. Itch, knee, sock, chill, whatever the practice was. (laughs) It's Tai Chi. You keep rolling that thing over and over and over again until you get it down right, just like the Zen archery, over and over and over again. Of doing these three things, of waking up, taking a look, and making a change. This begins then to build this next thing, Sama Sankapa, which is the right attitude. Mm. Just as in martial arts, there came a time when you began to understand that I can do it. Mm. Okay? I don't know when that point in time was, but in fact, it wasn't one point in time. It was a progression that you made from being a raw student into getting into the click, into getting uh, a higher belt, even getting to the point that you recognize that you can teach this, but you've got it now.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yes. Okay. That's the whole idea then about the Eightfold Noble Path of these four items. Then when we have that attitude that we've got it, that makes the right effort a whole lot easier.
0: Mm.
1: Now there are four circles or four things running around. Now we've got a four-spoked wheel, and that wheel is actually quite stable. Mm. Mm. So, that stability of the mind, actually, the Buddha calls it unification of mind. Mm-hmm. But it's that uh, the word um, unification or bringing together the factors is the Pali word samati, that is wrongly translated as concentration. Mm-hmm. That in fact, if you get a, a two team players, let us say that are in some sort of boxing match with your whatever martial arts that they're doing, if one guy gets over concentrated, he'll lose. Mm. Why? Is because he's watching for something to happen and something else happens. He's not open. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yes. So. What we're actually talking about is a unification of mind that is an opening. Mm. What we mean by the opening is is that we're no longer thinking about what we're doing. We're actually watching it happen with the senses. Mm. We can hear, we can see, we can touch. We can touch the body, we can sense the body. And doing that, we're in the here now. But when we're thinking about things in the mind, we're often in the past, in the future. Yes. Okay, so going back to the boxing match, if two guys are getting at it, if one of them has having thoughts about the fight that he had with his wife, he's going to get a face full of cloth.
0: Mm-hmm. Because
1: he's not watching what's going on, he's thinking about something else. Right. Right. But in fact, they actually do that in movies. You'll have a, uh, the guy, one of the uh, contestants have a fight with some woman, some, his mother or uh, someone, and then he has to go into the ring right. with a distraction in his mind. Well, that's what we do with our own uh, situation, is, is that now we're practicing In coming into the present moment to recognize that, hey, I don't need to have thoughts about that fight that I had with someone Mm. in the past. Let me practice this present moment happily. Mm. Right now, it's okay. In fact, we can look at it like this: is that your past is dangerous? Many dangerous things have happened to you, lots of feelings coming from childhood. And the future is dangerous. Oh, you've got work to do. You've got to feed yourself. You've got students, all of this kind of stuff. Only the present moment is safe. Mm. Yes. We're not being attacked by anything right now. Right. But If we have thoughts of what's going to happen or what did happen, now we feel unsafe again. Yes. But not because of the present moment. The present moment is quite safe. Yes. So that's one of the key points then that we have to practice of feeling by talking to ourselves into being safe. Mm-hmm. We have thoughts of I'm safe right now. I'm safe mm-hmm. right now. There's mm-hmm. no palages, there's no boogeyman, there's no problems at all. Wow, well, I can relax. Yes. I am safe. Yes. I can get comfortable.
0: I uh I I really hate to uh, have to go right now. Um, I'm really enjoying this, and I wish I could uh,
1: stay in the conversation, but I've got to dash off to go teach. Um, Ah, fear again. I got it. (laughs) Well, I don't want to be late. (laughs) That's it, because something bad will happen if you're late. That's true. What happens if you walk in late with a great big smile on your face? <laughs> Not much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll go ahead and we'll feel, we'll finish with that, okay. recognizing that this is a moment to practice. Okay. Thank you. Okay? Yes. Every moment is a moment to practice if we wake up. Greg, it's been really great to meet you. I hope to see you soon so that we can get into... Uh, uh, more detail. Thank you very much. I hope to uh, call again very soon. I really appreciate okay. it. Uh, all right. I'll see you in a couple of days then. That sounds great. Thank you so much. Okay. Take care. bye. right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.